0: Uh, on the banks of the Jordan River, shouting at everybody like a crazed madman, uh, repent, the kingdom of God has come near.
1: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. We meet a wild man in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We're joined by Luther House of Studies' Lars Olson, who teaches us the definition of repentance and what it means that the kingdom of heaven has already come near. Repentance happens to you. You are repented. Encountering God's kingdom completely changes your life. Since God's kingdom has already come, this is not a call to get your life in order. Lars teaches Adam, Kiri, and me what it means to bear good fruit and how that actually happens in our day-to-day life. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Lars. Uh, hey,
0: you got it, Mason. <laughs> why, why
1: don't you go Just ahead and tell us spill all you're doing. the tea? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got so much gossip to share, uh, Mason. I don't know where to begin.
2: Well. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm quite well. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah. I appreciate that. How are you?
2: I'm doing probably better than you are. Why is that? I don't know. I'm...
0: It's really helpful.
2: Well, uh, see, I got off work. You're technically still
0: working. I see. I see what you're saying. We're, yeah, we're doing so this for you're, for you're here for fun, and I'm here. I'm here uh, I'm obligatory ob- with uh, with uh, the weight of the world upon my shoulders. Oh, right, you poor thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all right.
2: Oh yeah, I know.
0: So, I like your sweater, by the way. Thanks, Very thanks. nice. It's the second Sunday
3: of Advent, uh, Lars, and we're in Matthew uh, three. And we're with our friend John the Baptist, and the first words he says are, Repent, for the kingdom of ke- heaven has come near. It's a great, uh, great way to enter the scene. This is a great way to enter the scene. <laughs> right, what's, uh, what, what's this meter? What we, do we, we know about John, I guess, from the start?
0: You know, John just comes out of nowhere, yeah. literally in the in the narrative and just within the story. Like Matthew has had uh, Jesus' birth and his genealogy, where he started, where he connects um, Jesus specifically to Abraham and to King David, um, and then you you get the quick rundown of Jesus' early childhood about. Um, how the wise men come, how they run off to Egypt, uh, how Herod tries to kill all the children around Bethlehem, um, and then how, they, how he settles in, uh, in Galilee, in Nazareth. And then all of a sudden, uh, just boom, uh, there's John the Baptist uh, on the banks of the Jordan River, shouting at everybody like a crazed madman, mm-hmm. uh, repent, the kingdom of God has come near. So we don't know anything about him, right? He's wearing camel's hair. Uh, He has locusts
3: and wild honey. He's uh, he's like a style icon. He's he's an icon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he knows just how to spill the tea, right? (laughs) Uh, No, he is. For listeners who
2: don't know, Lars just learned that term, (laughs) so he's overusing it.
0: It was uh, yeah. He is a he is a uh, like a wild man, right? He's living out in the wilderness. Um, he's hairy with a, uh, a belt around his waist, and he's eating bugs. Um, he them. is as far from like polite society as, as one gets, right? Uh, he is like a strange little hermit living out there. Um, but all these people are flocking to him. Yeah. Uh, and he has these characteristics that are, that are reminiscent of the prophet Elijah, as it, as it points him out in 1 uh, Kings where uh, he's hairy and he's eating locusts and he carries a, a, a leather belt around his waist. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you, this has always been a kind of a tension point that that God raises up a prophet just out of nowhere mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to bring this word where nobody else will say it. He asked, God has to go and find this preacher to bring a word because uh, it's not happening in the temple more, more often than not. It's mm-hmm. not happening in the places of power. The kings are absolutely atrocious. And so uh, um, even the places where God's people are supposed to be, nobody wants to speak. And so he has to raise up... John the Baptist, in order to uh, to bring this word, repent. The kingdom of God has come near.
3: Yeah, you brought up a good point, uh, Lars. It's not in the temple; it's in the wilderness that he, that we hear.
0: Yeah, in wilderness, meaning uh, this is where they wandered for forty years—a place of maybe of uh, of um, with la- lack of order and lack of structures, right? Where uh, where uh, the word of God actually uh, can be heard, rather than in the in the Temple and in the in the power structures of society. Hmm.
2: Well, and it's interesting because John the Baptist may be a very rugged lumberjack type man who just <laughs> lives in the wearing
0: flannel. Yeah, it's yeah. A, the updated version. I was
2: gonna say my word lumbersexual, but I felt like that might not. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that might be too new of a term for you today. I appreciate
0: you caring for You're me in welcome. that way. <laughs>
2: but he he really is his a main character. He really has that, like, main character energy. He, when he, when he, John the Baptist, when he talks, people listen. And you can see this, as, as, even as we continue go- going on in the text for this week, people are continue to be drawn to him, and he continues to baptize. He continues to be kind of like the main voice, at least for this section, the main voice for Christ and what is to come.
0: Yeah, well, he ends up being uh, the the starting point of Jesus' ministry in all the Gospels. Yeah. Which is saying something, right? Uh, Jesus' birth is not in the Gospel of Mark or in John. Um, and so, but John the Baptist, as this uh, precursor, forerunner of Jesus' ministry, shows up in all of the Gospels. That's how important he is to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people have gotten the idea that John the Baptist himself is um, kind of like the pre-Jesus, right? Or um, that he was uh, starting something else and Jesus came in and, 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 and improved it. But, um, but John is saying here that the kingdom of heaven has come near, that it has already happened, <laughs> right? Uh, he's not saying, uh, you've got a little extra time, um, uh, get your life right, and and uh, and 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 things can change the way that they might have otherwise happened. No, he's saying the kingdom of heaven has come near. He doesn't know that it, Jesus is this, but somehow he's proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is right here at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that even later, uh, you know, he'll ask Jesus, "Are you the one?" He gets kind of uncertain about this at times, and yet that's the word that he has to give to the world that the mm-hmm. kingdom of God has arrived. And that's why he's asking for repentance. It's not the other way around. It's not repent. You've got a little bit of time before the kingdom arrives. It's the kingdom is here now. There is nothing else to do except repent.
3: Maybe it would be helpful um, just to define repent, or what do you, what what's John saying when he says repent? When he comes actually. Uh, with his locust, with his honey, uh, with the whole garb, and he yeah. says, repent. What's- yeah, he's trying to get over to Whole Foods or yeah. something, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. No. yeah, I mean, repent really is, it just means to turn around, to change direction, to have a change of mind. Um, and usually when people talk about repentance, what they, they mean is some sort of a, a plan of life of saying, uh, what steps can you take to improve? Right? How do you uh, identify something within yourself that needs to be changed, and take the steps to improve that? And then when you're done with that one, take the next step and the next step, so that it's repenting is sort of uh, small steps to a larger goal. Um, and you know, this was right at the heart of the Reformation, where. Uh, Luther, even in the 95 Theses, said that when our Lord Jesus said, repent, he didn't mean little steps. He meant your entire life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what John the Baptist is talking about with repent here is that the kingdom is here. Your life is now going to be different. Mm -hmm. And and finally, um, as much as John the Baptist might or might not understand this, uh, we all have to come to realize that the small changes that we can make in our life are not going to finally give us the new life that God is giving to us. Yeah, and so he's saying the kingdom is here to make that a reality for you, not your own work. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Lars, right before we move on to the next paragraph, before we started recording, you said that each paragraph, kind of in and of itself, were at least um, at least um, a sermon, if not more. So, in this first paragraph, what do you think would be one of the biggest things that a pastor could focus on on the pulpit,
0: right? I mean, I think it's that uh, reminding people okay. that the kingdom of heaven has come near. They don't see it, they don't feel it, they don't experience it. Actually, they keep turning back into themselves and thinking, "How can my repentance affect anything? Uh, how can my heart be changed uh, by what I do rather than hearing that word that um, the kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that means your life is different." Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that in that first paragraph, that voice crying out in the wilderness, that that Isaiah chapter forty uh, is is being quoted here, um, is not when we say prepare the way of the Lord, we're not saying uh, you need to do it right. Um, even in Isaiah, the the the. Uh, the the impetus there is that God is coming to his people who are in exile. They're in captivity and he's making a a level playing field, a level road where he can come to them quickly and in uh, and immediately. Um, That is not going to happen by uh, the Israelites in captivity doing it. That's not going to happen by the little things happening uh, that you might be able to improve in yourself. That is going to be the kingdom is here. God has come to you in that arrival that makes everything different for us.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that, I mean, that's a great way to, to read that because it's so easy to read, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight and wonder, well, if he's God, why does he need us to make a yeah. path for him? Right. But that's not at all what he's saying. It's saying God is making his own path directly to you. Here he's I'm coming. coming
0: swiftly. Nothing will stand in my way, not mountains or valleys. They will all be made smooth so that I can get there right quick. It gets even worse in Advent, of course, because when we hear prepare the way of the Lord, we think, when am I going to put up the Christmas tree? Yeah. Right? What can I do? What can what pre- When am I going to go shopping yeah. for presents and get all the wrapping done? And we think this is preparing the way of the Lord. This is uh, an eliminating altogether the, uh, the, the urgency and immediacy <laughs> of Advent that says the kingdom of God is here now. There's no more waiting. Um, we think that Advent is this time of waiting for Christmas. We get that all t- twisted and and, and uh, mixed up. Um, instead of, this is the end of the old world, <laughs> and the beginning of the new, because Jesus has arrived. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do us any favors to have Christmas right after this, uh, because that makes it feel like, oh, the big holiday is coming up, rather than a- Advent being this... And think of what the term Advent means. Uh, it doesn't mean waiting. Mm-hmm. It means arrival. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And so in Advent, we're not saying prepare the way of the Lord, repent, uh, wait for a little bit to do more repenting. We're saying right now is that time because Mm -hmm. the kingdom has come near.
3: Mm -hmm. So moving forward, uh, we hear in the fifth verse, "...then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. So uh, people are being uh, uh, confessing their sins. uh, They're being baptized. And then he seems to uh, flip a switch. Flip a switch. He doesn't like (laughs) a few people. That's another yeah <laughs> flip switch. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, the Pharisees and the Sadducees um, are, are words that people get tripped up on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instantly you know they're the bad guys because Jesus is always having conflict with the Pharisees, especially. The Sadducees show up in, in, a, in a few spots. Uh, but here they're lumped together as those who who uh, John the Baptist is pointing at, even as they're coming out to see him at the Jordan um, as those uh, who are fleeing from the wrath, right? Um, and this is interesting because baptism for some people is kind of an escape, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a shield that you get that that puts over that you get put over you uh, to protect you from the wrath of God. Uh, and actually, that's not what baptism into Christ actually finally is. It's not an escape or a protection. It is uh, receiving the death of Christ so that your death no longer matters.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it is going through death. Uh, into life rather than escaping death which which is what the the Pharisees and the Sadducees seem to be looking for some sort of protection from the wrath of God hmm. rather than being baptized into Christ who has taken the wrath of God and brought it to an end for you mm-hmm. so the Pharisees and the Sadducees are not the same thing they're actually uh, two movements that are that are pretty opposed to one another Um but uh, they both are rooted in uh, um, going back to the old ways, to the glory days of the law, when, when Moses and David were, uh, uh, were, were all the rage. Um, and, <laughs> you know, they, they might have been lumbersexuals. I don't know. Uh, um, but, uh, 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 but, that's, but they're always going back into living according to the law and being righteous according to the law rather than the kingdom of God coming and doing that repentance to you
3: mm-hmm. and it's interesting i mean he he identifies them somehow i mean he's uh he, yeah, he says you point. brood of vipers um yeah. so Such he's
2: loving
0: words i love the, the the image of that right just a yeah. brood of vipers <laughs> a, a bunch of little childish childish snakes rolling around <laughs> together and uh but he contrasts that i think with the uh um, with talking about ch- being children of Abraham, yeah, right? Yeah. That Abraham is our ancestor, our father. Um, somehow the snake is our ancestor. That's whose children we are, uh, at least for the Pharisees and Sadducees, when we're trying to um, still give us time to, to amend our lives before the kingdom arrives to us.
2: So before we d- dig into that, right before that, um, Adam read... Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Yeah, that for me that's a little. Can you just break that down? Because I know you just talked about repentance, and I know in the past Luther House has talked about repentance and how you're you're repented. Right, like it's more passive. It's not re- it's not an active right thing that you can do. So this is kind of. Interesting for me because when it says bear fruit worthy of repentance, it very much sounds like it's something I need to do. Something you're
0: supposed to do right
2: and be active in.
0: Yeah, and and to be clear, I mean, when he says repent, that is a command. Yeah, uh, that is not a uh, a passive thing. So John the Baptist is saying you must repent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is the, when you start to repent, there's no amount of repentance that you can actually do to have yeah. a whole life change. That has to be done to you. Um. Uh, when it says bear fruit think about a tree does a tree think about uh decide decide where to bear its fruit no uh it just happens right it does it by itself it just it naturally occurs and so um fruit that is worthy of repentance is once your life is turned around once you are in the kingdom now uh start bearing this fruit not Choose to, but just be by being in the kingdom, bear fruit of repentance. That Mm -hmm. is not fruit that you can bear, right? That is fruit that is born in you. Um, uh, Galatians will talk about this when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that the gospel itself produces fruits of patience, kindness, generosity within us, right? Um, That it is, those are the outgrowths of hearing this word of the kingdom that claims you and makes you new. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, here's some strategies to become more patient. <laughs> it's uh, Because Christ has died and taken your death and given you everything you need for life, there is patience for you. Yeah. You have no worries or fears about this. So mm-hmm. bearing fruits worthy of repentance is to be passive and to bear those fruits of what the kingdom is producing within you.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. But,
1: but then you contrast that with verse 10... Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit Mm. is cut down and thrown into the fire. Exactly. (sighs) So you're saying that bearing fruit of repentance, worthy of repentance, is a passive thing, and I have no control over that. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm not bearing fruit and I have no control, what is a guy supposed to do?
0: That's terrifying. So if you are trying to control your fruit, you've already lost. You are being cut down. You're... Uh, and we've already talked about it. You're being shown that you trying to bear this fruit is only producing little tiny apples. They're probably sour,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, here, yeah. here, your uh, your pears are full of worms. Whatever it is, I mean, because you're not having you're not a good tree yet. You're still trying to you know wander along on your own roots uh, and and scurry away from the kingdom. Instead, John the Baptist is saying, "Bear the fruits worthy of repentance that have been given to you." because the kingdom has arrived.
2: So in that paragraph, you know what I'm going to ask you? In that paragraph, what is the one thing that a pastor could focus on preaching?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about what then is a good work? Uh, Is a good work something you produce or something that is produced in you? Because the kingdom has already arrived. If it's your good work... It's going to be small. (laughs) It's going to be tasteless. Uh, It's not going to be good fruit, Um, because and not because you can't do good things, but because it's not done in faith. It doesn't trust that that Christ has done it all for you. Instead, it's going to be your work against Christ's work. You're going to lose that, Mm
2: -hmm. which is the point. Yeah,
0: right. You're going to be losing yourself in order to gain the kingdom.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: That's Exactly, his point to the Pharisees, whatever and, and Sadducees, whatever work according to the law you are going to be doing, is finally going to be ripped out of your hands, so that the kingdom can be given to you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, thank you.
3: So he uh, continues on, as Kiri said. It seems like there's three. There's there's a lot happening um, in this uh, this text. He says, "I baptize you with repent or with water for repentance." But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am now worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the, fi- with the Holy Spirit and fire. His win-win fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So what a, I mean, what a, <laughs> this is the gospel of our Lord. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> Well this is where it all comes uh, right mm-hmm. down into the actual nitty-gritty of life right yeah um, John yeah. the Baptist has been talking about the kingdom being there he's been talking about your uh, your supposed good works based on your intentions rather than the kingdom um, and it comes right down into actual uh, actually to people in this baptism that he's giving them mm-hmm. right. And so John is baptizing them for repentance and forgiveness of sin. Uh, it's exactly what Jesus is, uh, what we're baptized into Christ for. This wasn't some sort of a, um, another baptism that, that uh, John was talking about. Um, but he's baptizing them saying, uh, this, your, the, the, uh, your Savior is coming, right? Yep. One more powerful than I will come after me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he is going to baptize you not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, of course, um, when we come into uh, a life of faith, we come in through baptism, right? Uh, and uh, we, don't, we don't have, like, burning water or something like this that, uh, that, uh, that comes to us so that we, we uh, become all inflamed and our hair is on fire and we look like torches or something like this. But what he's uh, saying about baptism, uh, that Jesus then says about baptism, is that in baptism you are given this Holy Spirit. mm mm-hmm. um, and uh, that it doesn't come because John was such a great prophet, but rather it comes from the one who is more powerful than he is. It comes from Jesus Christ himself saying, this is how I make you my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this talk about uh, gathering his wheat and his grain uh, together, um, uh, the, his winnowing fork is in his hand, is actually really important when we talk about um, the end times and, and Advent, um, that Jesus is coming uh, again not just at Christmas, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's not just that he's with us here now in his word, Uh, he's with us by faith at Mm -hmm. this point, but that he is coming again, the second coming, that is his promise, that Mm -hmm. he will be back. Uh, And then he will be the judge of all things, and he is going to judge us by our works. Now, that's always scary to people, especially uh, Christians these days, who do exactly what we've just been talking about. They start looking at their own works and saying but they're not good enough.
2: Or I've done enough.
0: Or I've done enough and I don't, and and he should be pleased with me. Right. Either way, you are now a Pharisee or a Sadducee, or you are hopeless, right? Rather than hearing the word given to you at baptism, which is exactly what uh, John is giving, the kingdom of heaven has come near for you in Jesus Christ.
1: And on that note, We've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for teaching us who John the Baptist was, why he was in the wilderness, and the role he played in ushering in Jesus' ministry. John proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As you heard Lars explain, that's in the past. The kingdom has already come near. When you are repented, your life completely changes. It happens to you, and since God's kingdom has already arrived, it's not a call to get your life right. A tree doesn't choose to bear good fruit. It simply happens naturally. You will bear good fruit because God's kingdom has broken in on you. You're being gathered into the granary. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals as well as members of the church without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah at That's sarah at You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, God's kingdom of heaven has arrived. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.